Right. I love this. I've, I've really enjoyed uh, preaching this series. Who's, who's enjoyed Our Father in Heaven? Uh, I know for, for many people, even today and then in years to come, you'll reflect back on today as a, a moment where, you, where God's light shone on your heart and begin, began to bring a change. Uh, it might be your first Sunday here with us and I wanted to say a big welcome. It might be your first time watching online. Uh, I wanna say a big welcome and hello to everybody else who's joining us. You can't be with us today. We love you. I'm so glad you could join with us. But we've been preaching about what you think about when you hear the words Father. When Jesus was asked by His disciples to pray, and they said to pray and to teach them how to pray, He prayed this simple prayer that you've probably heard the beginning of. We call it the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Our Father in heaven. The word He used for Father, and I'm just gonna catch this up if this is your first Sunday, was an Aramaic word that meant, that was called Abba. And it was an intimate word that a, that a young child would say to the dad who was strong and protected them and loved them and nurtured them. He would call, that, that child would call their father Abba. And Jesus introduced this idea that our heavenly father is not, is not just the creator of the world. He's not just incredibly powerful. He's not just a holy God. He's not just going to judge the, the, the world at the end of, at the end of times. He's, he is all of that, but at His very core, He is a loving Father. God is love. He's a loving Father. Now, the challenge about that is when, when we, there's a number of things that will distort our image of our Heavenly Father. One of those is what our relationship with our earthly Father has been. So if our relationship with our earthly father was, as we talked about a little bit earlier, if it was, if it was painful, if it was neglectful, if it was abusive, if it was, if it was uh, passive, if, it, if there was gaps, and, and, and most of us, we're going to say our fathers aren't perfect. No one's perfect. That's why we need a heavenly father. But, if, but those things, if when you hear the word father, you have, an emotion comes to mind. And then consciously or not, subconsciously mostly, we will project that, that image of the word Father that we have in our heart onto God, rightly or wrongly. And so the journey of learning who God really is, is a very, very important journey. A.W. Tozer said it like this, what you think when you think about God is probably the most important thing about you. Your image of God how you perceive God is incredibly, incredibly important. So we've, we've done a few things. We've, we've looked at uh, the prodigal son, the first half of the prodigal son to discover some things about who God really is. And uh, there's basically there's five attributes of our Heavenly Father that I want to get written on our hearts as a result of this series. And so the first three we learnt was this, that, he, that our Heavenly Father is passionate about us. He runs to us no matter what's in our past. That He's affectionate towards us. God's a hugger. Come on, He says, greet one another with a holy kiss in the New Testament. He's, God, he's affectionate as a, heaven, as a Father. And He's extravagant in forgiveness. We learned this from the, from the prodigal son. So you can go back and listen to the first message. Uh, we we learned and we talked about this last week that our Father in Heaven is an affirmer. 
So he publicly said over Jesus, these words when Jesus was baptised, this is my son, that's his identity, who I love publicly, said I love, and of whom I'm proud or who brings me great joy. Three things every dad. And what I love is there's a, there's a little bit of a side product going on here, a little bit of a side sermon going on here, helping dads. And I've had a number of dads come up to me and say, you know, as a result of this series, I'm starting to use different words with my children. Like I'm talking about older dads whose kids are grown up. I'm not waiting for my kids to have done something good. I'm just telling them that I'm proud of them and that I love them. I'm hearing about sons and daughters who are, who've never heard I love you from their dad, but, but as they're going on a healing journey, are beginning to say to dad, awkward, and you've got to start awkward, hey, dad, I love you. And then like, even if nothing comes back, that's okay. It's just the beginning of the healing journey. And we heard a little bit more about that last Sunday night. Check out that, that podcast. So, so this is God, our Heavenly Father. He's an affirmer. He's passionate about you. He's affectionate, warm. He's extravagant in His forgiveness towards you. He's an affirmer. You, if, when you come back to God, when you let God come into your life and surrender to Him, you become adopted as a child. And this is what He says over you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. And I'm proud of you. That's what God says all the time, not just once. I heard a, a guy I knew once said, I told my wife I loved her. And if I've changed my mind, I'll let her know. I don't need to keep saying it. I'm like, dude, you are in for a world of pain, a world of pain, bad mindset. So here's the thing. Your heavenly Father on a daily basis wants to pour His love into you through affection, through affirmation, through His passion and through His extravagant forgiveness. And so last week we learnt, uh, the second week we talked a lot about the Father wounds in our heart and letting God get in and begin to bring healing into those painful things of our upbringing, those painful things of our, of our lives. A, a, a beautiful elderly man in our church uh, said to me that, that part of his letting go of his pain just let the, allowed the love of God to just rush into his life like he hadn't experienced for a long time. But it was the letting go of the pain that made room for the love of God to come in. So when we, if we want God's love, and the overarching scripture for this series is Romans 5 verse 5. And it, and it essentially says that God gives us His Holy Spirit to pour His love into our hearts. God wants to pour His love into your heart and into my heart every day. I love the, the verse and I've used this before. He wants a waterfall of love to cascade into our heart. And if you're not yet experiencing on a daily basis the cascading love of our Heavenly Father into your heart in a tangible way. Well, maybe there's some more heart work to do, some more pain to release, and some more learning how to experience His love. And that's what we talked about last week, that we need to soak in the love of God. We need to thank Him for who He is. We need to, and that's why we have this playlist. Of, I just encourage you 10, 15 minutes each day of soaking and singing and thanking our Heavenly Father for who He is. Those four things we've already talked about. And today, I wanna talk more about a fifth attribute that I want you to associate with God that I never did for many, many years. I never associated with my Father this attribute. I didn't think of him like this, and I know many believers did, didn't, and it's generosity. You've got a Father in heaven who's generous towards you. 
In 2009, a visiting prophet called Vicky Simpson came and prophesied over Danielle and I in a conference and said, God sees your heart and, and He sees your love for the church and that you're, you're going all out and you're focused on the church, but He actually wants to bless you. And so he, he doesn't just want you to be focused on, on that. He wants to ble- add blessing to you. In fact, she said he wants to give you a new house with water views. And she went through all, this, all of this description about how God wanted to bless us. And I've got to be honest, when I heard it, I, I didn't believe it. I, I, no, okay, really honest? I thought it was, a prof- it was something for herself that she was projecting on us. So bad. <laughs> That's what I thought. I thought, oh, no, probably you need a house. I think you could, you could really get a house. And I, I like a house. We've got a great house. It's half an eight. Anyway, and so, so what I did, I judged it a little harshly, as the Scripture says to judge prophecy, and I put it on the shelf. I just like, okay, God, doesn't seem to make sense to me, but whatever, put it up on the shelf. And, and as, as time went on, a few years later, uh, Pastor Phil Pringle was ministering again at the same conference in this church. And he said, to, he talked to us about how God's desire as a generous father is to prosper us. And the scripture is very clear. If you seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added. And we were, you know, at that point, you know, in that zone, we're like, that's me. We're seeking first the kingdom of God. But I'm like, don't, we don't need anything added. We're good. We're seeking first, but we're good. And, what he, and Pastor Phil talked about this idea and he just, this simple little throwaway line was, was to the effect of we will prosper to the level of our self-image. And I realised that it wasn't God's issue stopping us from being blessed with a nice house. It was my issue. It was my self-image and it was my perception of my heavenly Father. And that perception, those two things are locked in. One, one I've talked about because I'm just like a big vulnerable mess up here half the time, just doing therapy. Thank you for sitting in all my sessions. <laughs> now, I talked about how the gap in my own father's parenting, I had an awesome dad, but he'd never affirmed me uh, verbally. And so that left me vulnerable to feeling inferior and, and lacking self-confidence. So then when it comes to God wanting to be generous and bless me, me thinking I deserve it was a reflection of my self-image. Like I'm, so I'm actually, it's like God coming to Joseph and saying, I've got a coat of many colours for it. And he goes, no, 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 I don't want to stand out for my brothers. Because God wants to put blessing on him. And so I, suddenly I, when I heard this phrase, you'll prosper to the, to the level of your self-image, I began to think of that prophecy from Vicki Simpson. Like, huh, maybe it wasn't her. <laughs> maybe that was for me. Maybe God wanted to speak something over us. So we kind of, you know, metaphorically pulled the, the prophecy off the shelf, began to listen to it over and over again. And it sparked a journey going, oh my gosh, we're seeking first the kingdom of God. He wants to add nice things and we're, repo- we're repelling them because our image of ourselves and our image of God is wrong. So I want to help us today. And you're like, oh, okay, what are we talking about here? I want to go to the second half of the prodigal son. The second half of the story in Luke chapter 15. Or actually, one, one, one Bible verse that just really spoke to us in that season was out of Jeremiah. It was a rhema word. And it came directly to our heart before or just as we began to go, all right, we're selling our, our nice house and believing God for this house with water views. And he, and he gave us this scripture, Jeremiah 3, verse 19. I thought to myself, I would love to treat you as my own children. I love that. 
I wanted nothing more than to give you this beautiful land, the finest possession in the world. I look forward to you calling me Father and I wanted you never to turn from me. This is God's promise to His children Israel. God, as a, as a loving Father, is like, I, just, I want you to call me Father. I want you to be in a, a relationship with me where I have your heart. And as a generous Father, I just want nothing more than to prosper you and give you this most beautiful land. And it, and it just, like, it was like, you know, transformation in mindset just happens one degree at a time. And it was just one of those moments. My heavenly Father wants to express His love to me, not just with pouring love into my heart, which is the most beautiful act of generosity, but with something tangible in our own world because of His love. We're doing all right. So Luke chapter 15, verse 22. Turn to your neighbour and just say, your heavenly Father is generous. Come on, turn to your other neighbour, your second favourite neighbour, and tell you he's really generous. All right, that, that woke you up a little bit more. Luke 15, verse 22, okay. The, the, the prodigal son, I'm not gonna give you the full story, but this is, the father had two sons. One run, ran away, blew all the money and came back, tail between his legs, expecting to be not accepted as a son, but as a servant to work so that at least he could have money. And this is what happens, verse 22. The, fa the father ran to him, opened arms wide, and the father says to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. This son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, let's kick into the second half of the story. The older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. There's a party going on. It's like the, the sons returned and rather than being banished and judged and harshly, like you go out the back to the servants, he's been celebrated with the, the fatted calf. The whole village is there and there's, there, 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 is, there is music and dancing. I love this. I love that God is a God of music and dancing. I love that God is a God of the party. I love that Jesus' first miracle was at a party, at the wedding. And, and as I do when I was preparing this sermon, sometimes I get a bit distracted getting caught up in the story. So I got caught up in the story. I'm thinking, what song are they playing? You know, and we all know it's probably a bit of Jewish music. And they're all doing their, their moves, all right? We used to sing that in the 70s. But I thought it'd be more of a modern party. They're probably doing the nutbush. Come on, who loves the nutbush at a party? These are the bangers that just get everybody on the floor, right? There's the nutbush. Uh, I thought maybe it's the love shack. Love shack. And maybe. Maybe it's the Macarena, because everybody can join in. Who's a Macarena fan? But then I realised, of course, it wasn't those. This is what it was. They killed the fatted calf. They invited the whole village. That's, this is what it would be. Young man, there's no need to feel down. I said, young man, pick yourself off the ground. I said, young man, because you're in a new town. There's no need to be unhappy. That, that's what they would have sung. And as I, as I, because it's, you know, the village people, some of you haven't caught it yet. Uh, I wrote another chapter of the song just because I thought this is what they would have done. Would you like to hear it? It goes like, you're home now. Your father's opened his arms. You're home now. No need to sleep in the barn. No more pigs now. Because you're home with your dad. You're back where you belong. Anyway, that's just what I was just, 
I just figured that's what they would be doing. Yeah, come on, you know they'd be having a party like the Dream Team celebration, the 70s night. That's just, it's the, and that worked on so many levels because the whole village came. So the, the village, young man, oh, anyway, just sorry. I just, I just, it was so good. Anyway, sorry. But, we interrupt this telecast, for, so we're coming back. Luke chapter 15. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Now that's sad. There's a party and he does, he's, he's like, oh, I'm not really used to the sound of a party. Sounds like a lot of Christians who have grown in a religious environment. Party on Saturday night, but never at church on a Sunday. Different kind of atmosphere. Whoa. Your brother's come back, he replied. Your father's killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry. His brother's returned, hasn't seen him for years, and he's angry. He's judgmental. This, this guy's got, he's got a religious spirit. Refused to go in. His father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. This is, this is the other side. So one son has bailed, blown the inheritance, he's ashamed, he's, he has brought disgrace to the family name in the village, in the home, and wherever he's gone, he's used up all the money, he's come home, and he's encountered the extravagant forgiveness of his father. The picture of the extravagant forgiveness of our God who is not holding your sin against you. He's not, he's not judging you. He's not, he's not like God, yeah, I know, but in my back pocket, I've got this stuff you've done wrong. He's not like that. But the other son, he's got a whole, he's also got the wrong image of his father. His image of his father is his father just, just wants him to, to slave away, do the right thing and never enjoy any blessing. That's a religious mindset. He wants him just to slave away, you know, do the right thing. Oh, I didn't, I didn't curse, I didn't, I didn't do this. I, 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 I did everything you wanted me to. I followed the rules, but I hadn't, because this is, this is in essence what his father's saying. Hey, we've always been together. One, you've got me. You've got relationship. But two, all you had to do was ask. There were, we could have had a party every three months. All you had to do was ask. I could have poured out generosity on you at any moment, but because in your heart you had a wrong image of me, you didn't receive, you thought you were pleasing me, but in reality, it was all there and available for you. All you had to do was ask. And if you've grown up like me in a religious kind of environment that's focused more on the holiness of God and the, the, the rule, the, and let's, don't get me wrong, this series is not about throwing the holiness of God out. It's just that trying to be holy is not what gets me close to my heavenly Father. 
Jesus gets me close to my heavenly Father. And because I'm close to Him, I'm changing almost, it's like something's changing from the inside, not to be accepted, but from acceptance. He's, he's generous. All these years, I can just see the sun going, like just doing a bit of a mental, so I didn't need to do that. And I, I could have had some holidays. I, 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 could, have, I could have had some parties. I, I, got you, I could have like asked for a wage rather than just be working. I could have, because you're generous. And he's missed it. And now because he's missed it, He's judging the ones who are receiving the blessing. That's what a religious spirit does. James chapter 1, verse 17 says this, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from, our, from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. Next time you see all the stars at night, I want you to think of a heavenly Father who is generous and who wants to bless you. And is, is, he wants to bless you. And in fact, often he's just going, so what, you're, if you're focused on God and loving God and serving, if he's first and you're his kid, he's, like, he's expecting to hear, a, okay, what I'd really love, Father, is. That's, he knows how, come on, how many of your parents, give me a wave. How many of your kids, when they ask for a gift or a present, are like, oh, I'm not sure if this is appropriate or not because I know the cost of living's gone up. <laughs> but I would really love this Christmas present. Kids just are like, they ask. And so often when you love your kids, you're like, I want to. Yeah. I want to bless them. That's your heavenly Father. Matthew 7, 9, 11, you, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone? No, of course you don't. If they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? You've got a Father in heaven who is generous by nature. It's who He is. Now, understanding that is often the beginning of the faith journey. Okay, but you've got to, if you don't believe He's generous, you won't ask. If your experience of your own father or religion has been dead and, and harsh and follow the rules and not the smiling father that God really is, you'll miss out. I love this in 3 John 1 verse 2. Beloved friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and that you continually enjoy good health just as your soul is prospering. I, I want you to hear that today, but I want you to insert your name in it. This is, this is uh, John writing to a great friend of his who's a spiritual child. He goes on and says, as my spiritual child, there's nothing better than I want to see you blessed like this. So let's just, let's just pause it. Beloved, insert your name. Beloved, Teresa. Beloved, David. Beloved, Marina. This is, this is what he says. From your heavenly Father, I pray that you are prospering in every way and that you continually enjoy good health just as your soul is prospering. Your Father in heaven wants to prosper. Here's, here's the flip side of this. This is, this is what the devil wants you to, to believe. The devil wants you to believe that you please God by going without. You please God by not asking for blessing. Now, there are seasons of fasting and prayer, I get that. 
where we're, we choose to step into it. But listen to this. Okay, last Scripture. And then we're gonna pray. I'm gonna get the team to come on up. 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 4. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. This is, this is what the doctrine of demons is. The doctrine of demons says, if you wanna really please God, then don't get married. I know, now here's the flip side of it. Some people have chosen, have chosen that lifestyle because of the call of God on their life. There's a grace. But the majority of people, God, this, this is, at core it's like, oh, something God created good, aka sex. Wake up with me now, come on. Something God created is good. If, I, if I'm not participating and I'm denying myself, then somehow, like within the boundaries, if I'm, that makes me more holy and more acceptable to God. That is the doctrine of demons. If, if there's certain food that I don't eat, somehow what I don't do makes me right with God. That's the doctrine of demons. Not asking God for blessing, for healing, in my life, because somehow it pleases God. If, I, if I'm sick, somehow that's gonna give God glory. Doctrine of demons. Somehow if I go, okay, I can't afford to, to pay the rent or I can't even dream of owning my own home and, and it's, real, it's a desire of my heart, but I'm gonna push that down because somehow it pleases God for me to go from poverty to poverty. That's the doctrine of demons. And it comes from a misunderstanding of your heavenly Father. He's generous. He's generous. He's generous. He's generous. You've got a Father in heaven who loves you. He knows your name and He's generous. If you're asking, if you ask your natural father for a stone, He's not gonna give you a, a bread. He's not gonna give you a stone. If you ask your heavenly Father to help meet your needs, He's generous. He's generous. He's generous. He's generous. Does it mean that He'll give it to you instantly? No, sometimes He gives you a promise and you've got to exercise your faith to access it. Sometimes He goes, hey, right now, that wouldn't be good for you, wait. But often He just says, I love you. You're my son, you're my daughter and I wanna bless you and I want the best for you. Can you close your eyes with me right now? Five things I want you to know about your Heavenly Father as we rewrite what's written on our heart. He's passionate for you. Passionately in love with you. He's affectionate towards you. He's extravagant in forgiveness. He affirms you. He speaks life and love over you. Your Father in Heaven. And He's generous. And if you wanna renew your mind to experience His love, begin to thank Him for those five things. Begin to soak in His love. Release your earthly father from the wounds. Forgive and release. The end of the story I started with is we did begin a faith journey and it was hard and 
God eventually did a miracle for us, but it took quite a while. And that's often the way it works with God. Miracles often take a while. But what you have to hang on to is at the very core, He's for you. He's generous and He wants you to succeed. He wants you to be blessed. You have to hang on to that. The devil wants to rob that. He wants to take away. He doesn't care. But I wanna tell you, he does care. And he does wanna bless you. So Father, today, we open up our hearts. And say, let the goodness of God wash over us. Let the kindness of God We're not gonna judge you by our past or our experiences. You're a good, good Father. You're a good, good Father. Before we go any further,